Welcome to One Heart, One Mind Nampa, a podcast of the Nampa, Idaho South Stake. Today's podcast is a special message brought to you by a member of our stake presidency. And now, President Keller. It's a privilege for me to spend a few minutes today and talk to you about uh, an important topic that uh, is actually the purpose behind this podcast. Uh, It's to try to bring us hope in times where it's difficult. And today I'd like to talk about hope. When I was in high school senior English class, we had to every day go to the word a day calendar and then write down the word of the day along with the definition right next to it. Every couple weeks, we would get tested on how well we remember the definitions of those words. But one word stays in my mind from that experience. That word is vicissitudes. The word describes a change of circumstances or fortune typically one that is unwelcome or unpleasant. We all live with the vicissitudes of life. Some days we're up and things are going very well enough. Some days we are down. Today I want to talk about the vital need for hope when we or others that we know find ourselves in the down parts called the vicissitudes of our life. First of all, let me tell you a quick little story. A friend of ours, about 10 years ago, was in a reality TV show. It was actually a cooking show on the cooking channel, and she was trying to become the best chef out of about a dozen people. Ended up getting about third or fourth. But when we talked to her after it was all over, we found out some things about reality TV. It's not really reality at all. You see, they just took videotape the entire week of everybody doing everything. And then they were able to manipulate the story to create the storyline that they wanted. And with that videotape, they could make you look like an angel or an idiotic demon. Whatever it was they needed to make the story turn out how they wanted it to look. You know, sometimes I imagine, what if somebody had a full decade of videotape on you or on me? What kind of person would we appear to be if our actions were distilled down to a one-hour television show? I think an even deeper question is, what if they put together all of our greatest hits, all the best moments of our lives, we might just look like heroes? But what if they just put in all the worst moments of our lives? I shudder to think what that video would look like, and I'd be embarrassed if anybody ever saw it. There are two great editors whose movies of our life we often choose to replay in our minds. The final version that we decided to watch has a great impact on how we feel. One can make us feel down and devoid of hope, or in other words, hopeless. The other is the key to joy and rising up out of the vicissitudes. Who are these two editors? I think you can guess. The first is the adversary. He loves to replay and cast our viewing minds on all of the terrible things we have done or that people have done to us. He desires that we continue to have, as the scripture says, a perfect remembrance of all your guilt, yea, a perfect remembrance of all your wickedness. Whereas our Father in heaven would prefer to show us a video as described in Alma, chapter 5, verse 16, where this reads, I say unto you, 
Can you imagine to yourselves that ye hear the voice of the Lord saying unto you in that day, Come unto me, ye blessed. For behold, your works have been the works of righteousness upon the face of the earth. Unquote. I submit that many of us wallow in hopelessness from time to time because we choose to believe the version of our lives that's replayed by Satan. It is his desire that we are blinded to the good that we are and the good that we can experience by constantly reminding us of the worst that we have been. Now, when we follow the advice of President Russell M. Nelson, we choose to repent every day. And why? Because repentance is the big control X on our keyboard. It's the right click cut, delete. It is remove this from my video. If there's one great hope in life, it is this, that Jesus's atonement allows us to see ourselves as we truly can be. And in that, there is hope. When we can leave behind the parts of our videos that keep reminding us of how awful we are and how weak we are, then we can see that tomorrow can be a great day. Why? Because Jesus will help us see what needs to be removed. His atonement clips away the burden of sin that we have to carry when we don't repent. When we have the burden of guilt removed, then we have a better chance of waking up the next day with a lighter heart, one that's full of hope, one that says, I'll give it another go today. There's every reason to believe that it can be a good one. Now, sometimes it's not necessarily sin or a negative view of ourselves that's sinking us into a vicissitude. What if it's just the world or other people or tragedies? Well, here is where hope can equally be important. We need a little help from Moroni to understand. He says, And what is it that ye shall hope for? Behold, I say unto you that ye shall have hope through the atonement of Christ and the power of his resurrection to be raised unto life eternal, and this because of your faith in him according to the promise. Wherefore, if a man have faith, he must needs have hope. For without faith, there cannot be any hope. And again, behold, I say unto you that he cannot have faith and hope, save he shall be meek and lowly of heart. Close quote. Now, the next verse Moroni brings up, but President Uchtdorf once referred to as the third leg on the three-legged stool called faith, hope, and charity. We've all heard and been taught from the scriptures the necessity of obtaining faith, hope, and charity. Those three have been grouped together for some doctrinal purpose. At first blush, it almost seems like the three have very little in common, but as one studies the three, it becomes evident how intertwined they are and how desperately we need to understand them in order to bring happiness to our lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I might point you to that great talk by President Uchtdorf where he goes into detail on how the three work together. That talk was in the October 2008 General Conference and is called The Infinite Power of hope. Now, when we talk of hope, it sometimes just sounds like it's some doctrinal afterthought stuck between faith and charity. It almost seems like just a little holy and pious word that we can throw around when somebody's feeling down. You've heard things like, oh, well, that's too bad. I hope you're feeling better. 
I think that I always had trouble seeing how hope fit into the gospel structure. When the word itself, when often used in common vernacular, seemed to be actually a reflection of doubt the way people used it, the very opposite of faith. You've heard things like this. I hope she says yes. I hope he'll listen to me. I hope I get that job. But with further scripture study and understanding of faith, I can finally see the real power of hope, how it can change how we feel. I can better understand that often our use of the word is done so accidentally or not without understanding. We use it in the place of the word wish. Well, hope is not a wish. It's really so much more than that. When understood and respected for what it is and the role that it takes with the symbiotic relationship with faith, then hope indeed becomes vital for happiness now and in the future and getting through the vicissitudes of life. It's Alma who really brought a greater insight of hope to me when I reviewed his definition of faith in Alma 32. Note how important hope is in the following description of faith. Says Alma, And now, as I said concerning faith, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if ye have faith, ye hope for things which are not seen, which are true. Unquote. Alma, first of all, defines what faith is not. It is not a perfect knowledge. Then he clarifies two important aspects of faith. One, it must be grounded in truth. And two, that true thing that we don't see or have a perfect knowledge of is something that we truly hope exists or will come to pass. For an example, the atonement. None of us were there in the garden or by the cross. We did not see it, so we can't have the same perfect first-hand knowledge that maybe the disciples or his mother Mary experienced. But its truth has been testified to us by countless people, prophets living and dead, and confirmed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So you and I have a hope for this thing which is not seen. You and I live our lives with a deep and powerful hope that this great event will bring us peace and will save us from sin. Our very actions of living the commandments and asking for repentance are a pure reflection of the hope that the atonement will fulfill what we have been promised it will. Living our lives entrenched in this hope of a brighter future is the very definition of being a people of faith. Moroni also taught in Ether the following. Wherefore, whoso believeth in God might with surety hope for a better world, yea, even a place at the right hand of God, which hope cometh of faith, maketh an anchor to the souls of men, which would make them sure and steadfast, always abounding in good works, being led to glorify God. Unquote. When I listen to our modern-day church leaders, our prophets and apostles, who have lived through so much history of our world, I don't hear despair. I hear hope. Sometimes there is so much fighting and disagreement and fear-mongering and pride that it's easy to lose hope. But they hope 
with surety for a better world. Our leaders have hope that comes from their faith. And that faith and hope serve as an anchor. And we can have that same faith and hope as well. But it does take some proper perspective and some effort to get and maintain that hope. To try to illustrate that, let me talk about Adam and Eve. They had this great peaceful garden. But in there, for them, there was no growth. There was no opposition. But when temptation led to a transgression, there was a seismic shift in their current situation. Now they were facing expulsion and loneliness. They would have to survive without the physical presence of God. Would this mean forever? Had they lost all? What is there left for Adam and Eve? Well, a savior. Like Adam and Eve, you and I can lift up our heads and look to Jesus Christ as the one who can bring us back to God's presence. We aren't lost forever. We have hope in a glorious future. While in the garden where everything was easy and they had God with them always, there was no need for hope. But of a sudden, they now had to work by the sweat of their faces to get food. Not only work, but they had obstacles thrown in their way. Thorns, thistles, briars, and weeds were added to complicate the work. The work of a post-Eden life has a very mundane tone to it. Wake up, fix breakfast, clean up breakfast, take kids to school, go to work, eat again, work again, clean again, drive kids again. If that wasn't enough, along come the thorns and the thistles. Kids fight, neighbors complain, COVID-19 inequities, sickness, addiction, and just plain everyday hard stuff. Is it meant to be this way? Well, yes. To become like our Father in Heaven, we must experience this life of mundane with the difficult things thrown in. In God's own words, after Adam and Eve had been expelled, he says, And I, the Lord God, said unto mine only begotten, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil, unquote. The challenge for us is to recognize life for what it is and what it's meant to be. For those of us who have faith in Christ, we have a brightness of hope in what is seen as mundane. We have a reason to get up and keep moving and to look ahead and to feel joy while performing our daily tasks. We have a knowledge that the thorns and the thistles are meant to give us strength, understanding, and experience. But we have to be careful to avoid the antithesis of hope, known as despair. Let me quote a couple paragraphs from that talk I referenced earlier by President Uchtdorf. He says, The scriptures say that there must be an opposition in all things. So it is with faith, hope, and charity. Doubt, despair, and failure to care for fellow men lead us to temptation, which can cause us to forfeit choice and precious blessings. The adversary uses despair to bind hearts and minds in suffocating darkness. Despair drains from us all that's vibrant and joyful and leaves behind the empty remnants of what life was meant to be. Despair kills ambition, advances sickness, pollutes the soul, and deadens the heart. Despair can seem like a staircase that leads only and forever downward. He continues, Hope, on the other hand, is like the beam of sunlight rising up 
and above the horizon of our present circumstances. It pierces the darkness with a brilliant dawn. It encourages and inspires us to place our trust in the loving care of an eternal Heavenly Father, who has prepared a way for those who seek for eternal truth in a world of relativism, confusion, and of fear. Unquote. Well, as I mentioned earlier, the purpose of this message today is to remind us of hope. Hope is a gift, and it's given to people who are meek and humble. It's given to people who turn their hearts to God. It's given to the faithful. If we notice, in three of the landmark conference messages given to us by our current prophet, Russell M. Nelson, we can see some threads that lead us to hope. First of all, he's taught us that we all must repent daily. He has fervently asked us to hear him through personal revelation. And most recently, he's pleaded with us to recognize how necessary it is for us to let God prevail in our lives. I love President Nelson's modern day reminders of eternal principles. Repentance gives hope. Hearing God in our lives gives us hope. Turning our will over to God is the greatest act of faith that we can offer. And as we have noted earlier, increased faith will lead to increased hope. Along with the spiritual power that comes from following the prophet, may I conclude by sharing with you a very practical approach that I've recently taught to my children and had success for us. It's one that I have used faithfully through the years for a few months at a time, and then I get lazy until I remember how much better I felt when I was doing it. It's one of Stephen Covey's seven habits. In his book, First Things First, Covey explains that the way we fill our days is influenced by two factors. Is it important? And is it urgent? He always encouraged his readers to make sure that each week we spend as much time as possible planning for and engaging in activities that are important and not urgent. Important activities that are not urgent are things such as reading scriptures, serving neighbors, reaching out to families that we minister to. These are very important activities which most of the time aren't urgent. So are certain activities such as reading to our children, exercise, calling our parents to tell them that we love them, sending a special gift or a plate of cookies to somebody that we know is struggling or having a hard time or that we just haven't talked to in a while. He pointed out that those activities are where true growth and satisfaction lie in life. And I may point out that for those of us pursuing hope, it will germinate and grow when we are spending our time doing as many important but not urgent tasks as possible. Covey always taught that if we plan our weeks with a commitment to scheduling several important things into our, daily, our weekly schedule, then the unimportant things stop taking up so much of our lives. He used that wonderful example, which many are familiar with, where he said, here's a jar. Here are some big rocks. Here are some pebbles. And here's some sand. Now, the jar will hold all of them. Go ahead and place them all inside. 
If we put the small rocks in and the sand, we'll find that we can't fit the big rocks in the jar. The big rocks must go in first, and all the rest of the little things then fill in around them. Of course, the analogy is these important but not urgent activities they need to be planned first on our schedules. And then when people try to throw in other things at us, they can be filled in around the big rocks in our schedule. It is so easy in this life to get caught up in the demands of the world. The world wants to make everything urgent and it drags us into other things that often aren't even important. And when we get tired of running around with a sense of urgency, then we let ourselves often get pulled into things that may not be important and certainly not urgent because we're tired. And so we sit down and we watch too much television, spend a lot of web surfing or social media time, gaming or other idle activities that often, if planned appropriately, can be needed moments of escape or relaxation. But too often, if they supplant our opportunity to do the important and non-urgent activities, then we reduce our opportunities to do the things that bring us closer to other people, closer to the Spirit, closer to Him who is the source of hope, even Jesus Christ. I invite you to insert some important things into the mundane in your coming week. Don't let anything stop you from doing those things. I promise that you will feel a sense of control of your life. You will have more fulfillment. You will feel like God gave you a mind and body and spirit that has a purpose beyond doing just tasks for everyone. It will bring you hope. And then don't stop. Seek Jesus. Have faith. Repent some more. Get more hope and keep the cycle going. It is my prayer that hope will lift us out of the vicissitudes of life and sustain us when we have struggles and lift us from the depths of the negative feelings that we feel when we are in sin. And I leave this with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to One Heart, One Mind, Nampa. Credit is given to Kim Keller, who oversees the podcast, both Lindy Bauer and Kim Keller, who are our hosts, Casey Maddox, the project director and announcer, Rachel Bauer, who is our site director. Likewise, thanks also to Michelle Lundgren, our project manager, John Freeman, our communications coordinator, Jesus Gomez, the key grip and podcast editor, as well as Don Ricker our digital platform manager. Thank you for listening to One Heart, One Mind. We hope that you have felt inspiration and hope in moving towards Zion. As always, thank you, and may the Lord bless you.